Hello and welcome to the Negative Space Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Sippy. As a reminder, all of these episodes are recorded live in front of an actual audience. So if you want to join and bring your questions to the panel, you can check out the Negative Space website for a full schedule and registration as well. Also, the, the video recording is on YouTube, so you can watch that as well. Now then, on to the show. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about finding your writing voice, your artistic voice. And we've got Kyle Starks here to talk about that through his experiences. So Kyle Starks is a two-time Eisner-nominated comic creator from Southern Indiana. He's likely best known as the longest tenured writer and occasional artist for Oni Press's Rick and Morty comic. He was nominated for Eisner's for Sex Castle and Rock Candy Mountain for Best Humor Publication. Uh, Kyle, welcome aboard. <laughs> thanks, for having, thanks for having me on here. It's, it's very exciting. We love, we love to talk. We love to talk about comics. So uh, I'm very stoked about it. Of course. Yeah, thanks for being here. So we're, we're going to Start, you know, most of what we're going to talk about today is sort of your creative process, but I want to start to get a sense of your journey as a creative and where it began and how you grew from there. So do you, I mean, when did you start writing and what were you writing at the time? Uh, you want you my comics origin story? Yeah, absolutely. I'll do my, I'll, I'll do my comics <laughs> origin story because it's well rehearsed and, and it's pretty good. <laughs> um, so I, I grew up reading comics, loving comics. I certainly like anyone who loved comics and had any sort of, you know, Art skills that I tried to make comics when I was in high school and when I was in elementary school, and I kind of never finished anything. I worked at a uh, a comic shop that also did video rentals that bought and sold used music, bought and sold baseball cards, had pornography. In that place, I could take whatever I wanted. If I wanted to listen to music, if I wanted to see a movie, uh, we did used books. If I wanted a comic, if I wanted an old back issue, so I had like I, I was constantly I had all media at my fingertips if i wanted to see something i'd read it if someone said something was good i'd get to see it or read it or listen to it um and that was formulative in a lot of ways um i got out of comics in the 90s it was a bad time for comics you cannot convince me otherwise it was not very enjoyable and i went to school to be a fine artist i was uh i thought i was gonna be a painter uh, i did not that did not work out i knew that wasn't gonna work out so i started taking a lot of graphic design classes and then i drank i drank really hard professionally and played a lot of darts um, for a long time and was kind of done creatively. Uh, I played bad guitar and that was about it. Um, when I got married, we started having kids. And after I had my first kid, it became very aware to me that I would not have time in my life anymore, that my time, any sort of free time to sort of, uh, to sort of want to do something selfish was going to go. So I made a bucket list. And one of the things was finish a comic, period. It doesn't say how long. It doesn't say, I, I just wanted to finish a comic because I never did it. Um, and what I ended up doing was a 184-page uh, online webcomic called The Legend of Ricky Thunder that I'd never advertised, I did not promote, but got discovered um, sort of at the time by a big, uh, a big comic news site. And suddenly people were looking at my stuff and people were my stuff. So I was like, oh, well, I'll do a Kickstarter. And then I used the Kickstarter to go to shows. And what I found, ironically, because I was like, oh, I just want to do this. I don't remember anything else on the bucket list. I could not tell you one other thing that was on there because what I found is that I really love the process of making comics, of telling stories. And so I got this attention. I was like, oh, people are like, now you should go to shows. I'm like, okay. So I used the money for my first Kickstarter to go to shows. Um, and after that, I did a book called Sex Castle. And Sex Castle went on to, uh, well, there's a story. Right? So Sex Castle, I'm slinging at shows, just like I was with Ricky Thunder. Just happy to be out there. Happy to, that's a belch. Really happy to have a hobby that paid rather than cost me money. Um, which was thrilling because everything before was really expensive. All the hobbies, any hobbies are expensive. So 
uh, I'm at a show in Heroes, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Heroes Con is my favorite show. And um, if you go to Charlotte, there's this place called Mertz. It's a soul food restaurant. And you want to go to Mertz because Mertz is so good. But you can't go to Mertz by yourself because it's not the kind of place you could just be like, I'm going to sit. And this was uh, seven years ago. So now I'm sure you get a takeout or whatever. But uh, you want to go sit. So you had to find the group of people who were going to Mertz. And uh, one of the guys who worked at, uh, at that aforementioned uh, comic site was there also selling. He was making comics, too. And I was like, oh, are you going to Mertz tonight? And he's like, yeah, but I'm like, no, no, you don't, there's no buts. Like, I got to have that chicken. You won't even know I'm there. Well, the yeah, but was is that they were doing a podcast recording with Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction for Sex Criminals. Sex Criminals at the time was the number one book at HeroesCon. They literally had a line nonstop the whole weekend, right? And we ended up not even going to Mertz because the line, the wait was so long. We went to this terrible pizza place and um, Chip used to work in newspapers and I worked in newspapers. So I, I did chime in, even though I said I would be there because there was sort of, you know, shared shared histories. And the, the gentleman who I went with, it, he introduced me to Matt Fraction as, this is Kyle Starks. He made the best comic of the year, which was Sex Castle, self-published. So Matt, at the end, he's like, oh, I'll come by. I'll come by and I'll, I'll get your comic. And I know, I know, I know a true thing about Matt Fraction. I know that he walks around Heroes and will just buy something if he likes you. I know that's true. Whether or not he likes the book, I, I know people who's bought that they, he couldn't have liked the book. But I know he's a legitimately nice guy and he would buy my book. So this is Sunday now. So, so Saturday night we had we had bad pizza, and Sunday, uh, this is at this time this was probably my second or third year tabling, and I would not leave my table unless I had to go to the bathroom. I I didn't want to miss a sale. I wanted to interact with everyone who walked by, um, but I thought I was like, you know what? I'm going to go see if he wants my book. I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take my book over. So I walk over. I'm going to take my book. He said he wanted it. So I take my book over there and he has this line again, and it's him, Kelly, Sue and Chip. They're all sitting next to each other because they would do these lines. You just go through one by one. And uh, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not waiting in this line. Like, I don't have time. I'm not going to. So I was like, oh, hey, you know, Mr. hey, Matt, you know, um, you said you wanted my, you said you might want to pick my book. So I brought it over to you. Uh, I Thanks so much. And uh, this is, le- this is sort of legend in my house now. And Matt goes, he goes, oh, well, uh, what do I owe you? And I'm like, oh, you owe me nothing, sir. Like, uh, thanks so much for your interest. And he's like, no, no. And he points at me and he says, pros get paid. And they do. That's 100% true. So the the post story of this is that Matt's plane didn't take off on time. So he was stuck on his plane. And I believe this plane not taking off is, is crucial. It's fate stepping in because what was he doing? He was reading the stuff that he had in his bag and he happened to read Sex Castle and he was tweeting it. He's like, oh, this is so funny. Like, this is so good. And I think I sold like a hundred books or I made 20 books. I think I made like a, a couple hundred dollars and I was so thrilled to get like a couple hundred dollars. And, um, and then he emailed me and he's like, Hey, do you want to talk to image? And sort of, that's the beginning. Um, Sex Castle, my first book, which was an OGN, which is not the way to do a first book, but was uh, nominated for an Eisner for best human publication. It was optioned for film. Well, for TV film before it came out. Um, and it set everything up. Basically, I made something funny. Uh, this leads into everything else. I made something funny and good. Everyone who had a funny book contacted me. If it was funny, they reached out to me. And I said no to a lot of them because I had a, I had a 48 hour plus week job and I had a, now two babies and a wife. And why do anything I don't want to do? Like, I don't need to do it. Um, and Oni talked me into doing um, Invader Zim. And I said, they're like, oh, we, would you have any interest in doing an issue of Invader Zim? I was like, sure. I've never seen it. Um, I was 
like doing drugs and selling drugs when that was out. Like I was in college as an art major. Um, I'm literally too old for it. And they're like, no, no, that's what they want. They want fresh eyes, right? So I, uh, from Portland, I downloaded all the Invader Zims. I watched all the Invader Zims to get the the voice and the rhythm of these characters because I'm not familiar with them. And uh, um, I wrote it and it turns out that's not what they wanted. They did They absolutely didn't want someone with fresh eyes. Um, and I said to my wife, uh, this is the end of my origin story, but I said to my wife, I was like, you know, I like, I love Dan Harmon's work, which is I, maybe I don't love Dan Harmon, but it's like, I love community and I like the Ben Stiller show, but community was like, I think just a, uh, just a great tell, like a great, the first great sitcom in a long time. And I told my wife, I'm like, man, you know what I wish, I wish they would ask me to do Rick and Morty. Cause like, I think I would do great on Rick and Morty. And that week I got an email un, again, the universe stepping, putting its little hands into play and was like, hey, do you think you'd want to do five issues of Rick and Morty? And I'm like, I'd love to do five issues of Rick and Morty. And at the time, the plan was they would have creators come in and do five issues, and then you'd you'd pat, you'd you'd tag out, right? And um, I did my five issues, and Royland, the co-creator of the show, the voice of Rick and Morty, said, "Do you think you'd want to do five more?" And I was like, of course. Like, I'm, this is my like, I'm, I'm. I think literally, I just did another Kickstarter. I just did my third Kickstarter before this because the place that I was working at actually closed like that, this, that new year, they had been here for 140 years. I'm sure that was my career. And my wife was like, do you want to try it? And like immediately, like I'm doing Rick and Morty. I mean, like I said, there's so much luck. Like there, what, how do you break into comics? It's like, there's no, there's no way. There's certain factors that will always matter, but like when and how and what direction, um, you know, if, if that invader Zim decided everything, then I just be, I'd still be self-publishing. Right. Um, but yeah, so I did Rick and Morty. I ended up doing 48 issues, 47. I don't know. Uh, I think until recently, I I made more issues of the comic than there were episodes of the show. Um, and I take a lot of pride in that. Uh, so yeah, that's my origin story. It's like I kind of fell into it, but I didn't start. I think I was 38 when I started making comics. Mm. 2000, maybe longer than that now. Time. The last three years are difficult. It, it's probably been 10 years and it feels like seven, but yeah, that's my origin. That's my origin story. I think it's pretty good. I think it's a pretty good breaking into story. It, it's a great breaking in there. There's so much there. I want to get back to, uh, I want to start with sex castle though, because it sounds like that was sort of the, the thing that started the engine going. So I'm, you know, you mentioning how there's no, you know, breaking into comics is hard. There's no like one For way sure. to do it, but it sounds like what you did was you just created a product that, that was very, very good. So you know, it's funny. So I, I, the, there was uh, the gentleman at the, at the, the journalist at the comic site and Matt Fraction is like, I say, Hey, you guys, you know, like I owe you guys a blood debt, right? If it wasn't for you too, none of this would happen. And they both say, and Matt will still say, he said, he's like, if it wasn't, if it's, it was good. Like it was good. And I always say, but you know what? There's a million good things that no, like they just, there's a million good things that no one would have ever known about. So there's a sort of all these uh, unquestionably, and I, I think Sex Castle is maybe still my best book. So I will go to bat. Yeah, the first thing you need to do is make something actually good. Um, and I think I think my first book is good. I can reread it. I hate the art, but I also did it. Like I, I did tricks to make myself for Ricky Thunder. I put it on the web. And the thing is a lot of creativity and I'm sure, especially writers, is you have to figure out how to sort of like game your own system, right? So for me, um, I'm very responsibility driven. I'm very deadline driven. So for like Ricky Thunder, which I said, I want to I want to do this thing. This is my thing I want to do. 
I said, I'm going to post a panel. I did, um, oh, like uh, four by six panels, right? Um, and that that's what the book is. It's like a wide, and I was like, I'm going to post on Mondays and Wednesdays. And sometimes I was drawing literally Monday, you know, like an hour before, like I'm just, because I know I won't miss a deadline. No one was reading it. I didn't advertise it. I just knew, like I made this promise to myself is that I would post on Mondays and Wednesdays. And I think like that's a lot of it is how do you how do you trick yourself into doing the thing that you probably don't actually want to do because finishing is hard. Finishing a, a, any project is hard. Starting a project is hard. Um, editing and setting reasonable goals is hard. So it's like how can you trick yourself? And it's like I know, like I won't miss a deadline. And if I feel like I'm having trouble, like um, I'm I'm dealing with sort of the last two issues of I hate this place right now. And it's really difficult because one, I thought I was going to have a lot more issues. Um, so I'm kind of wrapping up and it's like, I'm having trouble because I know they want both of those by the end of the year. They will hundred percent get done because they have to get done. Right. Like that's a Kyle Starks trick. Um, so, so yeah, sex castle is good. That's the secret, but also I can draw, I can, I can draw just well enough that it purveys it. It says what I want it to say. Right. And that's, that's cheating too, in many ways. Um, if like to just be a writer in comics, I don't know how it would be. So, and of course that's basically what I am now, though I can still make anything I want to make. Like I can still draw. Ultimately I can make whatever I want. Right. It just won't be as good as if Ron Lim draws it, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, certain advantages, but I was able to make the thing. I made it the way to the, I made it in a way that I was maximizing my own skills because I went to art school. Um, I, I took creative writing when I was in college because I was interested in poetry. I was interested in fiction and because I didn't want to take algebra or, or history or I didn't want to take anything else. So I just took electives. Um, and so a lot of that's like, well, did I, like my brother is a journalist in DC. It's like, I'm not a writer. I was never a writer. I was always the one who drew things. Um, and now here I am, right here I am, which is wild. So. No, that's great. And it spurred two uh, questions from Q and A. So I want to get to oh. those really quick. Uh, could you elaborate on how the legend of Ricky Fender got on the radar of the news site you mentioned? I, I can't actually, because it's even more, it's even dumber somehow. <laughs> um, so this would have been during the sweet, sweet time of Flickr. Do we all remember? <laughs> Raise your mm -hmm. hand if you remember Flickr with no E. <laughs> um, and I posted stuff on Flickr just because I was, again, I wasn't, at the time I was making comics and I was really, I liked to draw, but I I never really liked drawing for fun. I do like doing comic. I like sequential storytelling a lot. Um, but so I was drawing things just to kind of get to find a style that, I, you know, to, to figure out how, 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 how to draw women, how to draw certain things. And I did something called, and I'm not going to remember it right, but I bet you could still find it. It's called the ABCs of mediocre Marvel villainy. And it was just like, A is, I'm not going to remember any of them. I'm not going to remember any of them. They're out. It's it's on. I'm sure it still exists, but they found that somehow. And I think because it was like I hashtag probably in a way and it was funny and like, oh, this is funny. We'll put this up. And I think what happened is the editor at the time found it and was like, oh, this is funny. And this I don't want to say the site because I think they I think they have some stink on them. I don't know. Um, they were very they were very foundational 10 years ago. Um, and it's unfortunate that there's not a, honestly a news site like they were because they would say when something was bad and they got in trouble from some publishers because they'd be like, Quit killing only minority characters, which is a good thing you should say to publishers. Um, but they found this thing. And one of the writers there, because they were a wrestling fan, found Legend of Ricky Thunder. Because I'm sure they were looking like, oh, he has some wrestling stuff. And it's like, oh, he has a comic. And because they had a, they had um, 
what's the word? They, they, they had a reach, right? So then being like, hey, I just read this wrestling comic for free on the web and it's great. You should read it. That they had fans who were like, yeah, I want to read it. Like, we trust your judgment. Um, and so that's how that happened. And it, I didn't realize like people were reading it until like I started getting not even comments. Like I'd get like emails or it was really weird. It's like, I'm like, why is there like 400 people? Suddenly there's like 400 people reading my strip a day. <laughs> and someone else was promoting it. And I never did. I never promoted it. Um, like maybe I should have, but I did the Kickstarter and the Kickstarter did well. And, and I've actually, I probably reprinted it. I'd say three times. Cause I like to throw it in with Kickstarters. Now I'll be like, here's the first one. I think I started it all. So yeah. Th so that was part of it too, is that it was a, um, so for me, again, the trick is like, how do you do this thing for me mm. was what comic would I finish? I'm like, well, there at the time, again, I think uh, maybe nine years ago, maybe 2015, I'm bad at time, 2013, it's like, there's no wrestling comics. There's zero wrestling comics. And I liked wrestling. And I'm like, I bet I will do this. So like my first thing is my love letter to wrestling because I like wrestling. And I finished it. And there wasn't any wrestling comics. There's like one or two. Um, uh, the Andre the Giant. I'm, I'm forgetting who did it. Um, uh, Box Brown. Box Brown's Andre the Giant came out like two years later. And like the, like this is it. And suddenly now people like, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's doing do a power bomb. Like it's out there, right? The second book I did, I was like, well, it's the same thing. What 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 interests me enough that I'll do it, which was Sex Castle. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make the best 80s action movie that I could make. Like the best 80s action movie never made because I love it. These are the things I love. Um, so that was my trick. Again, it's like, I really want to make this thing. I want it to exist so badly. Um, so yeah, that, so I, I got discovered through another dumb thing. And it, it, it was also kind of a different time. It was the Wild Wild West more than it is now. Um, now it's like an organized wild, wild west, I think. Like, but they're still like, how do you get found? Like, I don't know. Um, but you know, I'll tell you, it, it's not, I, I had a, I did an interview with Jason Latour. Again, I don't know if I can mention people or not, but he was doing this great sort of like comedians with cars and coffee thing with cartoonists. And he was having like all of his friends and we did one. And I mentioned that he's like, oh, when did like, when did you know you wanted to do this? And I'm like, um, I, I, I never planned on it. Like, I found I really like doing the process and I really like telling stories and I do, I love it. I, I could make comics. I could just sit and draw a comic for forever. And my wife will tell you, I'm like, right now I'm only writing things. I'm not drawing anything. And she'll be like, once I start drawing, she's like, you're always in a better mood. Like you're always happiest when you're actually doing everything. Um, and I, he was like, he's like, that's insane to me. Like that, that you didn't like, you didn't plot your life in a way to reach its end goal. But the thing is, is, like once it once you know once it's like oh do you want to do Rick and Morty? I'm like yeah because I love I love it. I've never had to do I've almost never had to do anything that I didn't want to do. And I say that's like one percent, like one percent. Like I I've done some things because I needed money at the time. But Invader Zim is like the first book I did was kind of like I have no interest in Invader Zim. I know it's just I'm too old for it. Um, so that's it. Like I've been lucky. I've been able to say no to things because I had jobs. I had I had money saved. Um, I had Kickstarters that did well, and I've always got to kind of make what I want. So in many ways, it's just been a blessing, but I never had to target it because I was just doing what I wanted to do, um, if that makes sense. And that's also generally when people are like, you know, what advice do you have for someone trying to start? Like, make the thing that you want to exist in the world. Like, it will forever bring you joy, and it will find the people who want the same things you want. Uh, and I think that's I think that's 100% true, and I also think that's true for I had this, hey, today, Thanos Death Notes from Marvel came out, um, which is another great example of that. They were like, do you want to do a Thanos story? And I was like, not really. Like, I don't know anything about that guy. Like, I don't, I don't really, like, I don't really care so much. 
but I don't ever say it's Mars Attacks is the same way. And I think Mars Attacks is maybe one of my three best books. Is they're like, do you want to do Mars Attacks? And I'm like, not really. But I was like, let me think about it though, because if I can think of a good, if I come up with a good story like right away, then I'm going to be stoked about it. And that's happened with both of those. Is I was like, man, you know what? This is the story. Like this is this is what interests me because if I wanted to read a Thanos story, I want to read the one that I made. And that's not to say that's the best one because I think the best ones are these sort of space opera, like these wildly sort of uh, Machiavellian, like, but that can't, that's not me. I'm like a character driven, like quirky characters guy, but I do love a tough guy moment more than anything. And who's more tough guy than Thanos, right? So it's the same Mars attacks. I, they sent me the cards because um, it's based on the cards, not the Tim Burton movie. Mm. And I had never seen the cards before. So I was like, well, can you send me the cards? And they're like, yeah. And the cards, if you've ever seen them are actually kind of a, they're a sequential story. Each one is just like, it's like moment to moment. And I'm like, oh, like it already is a comic book. So what if I did this thing that interests me sort of as it's happening behind it, right? Like sort of coincides. And I got to deal with a, a guy and his dad and family is always something that's really important to me in all my stories. Um, so it's the same thing. Like, did I want, if someone's like, hey, if you could do anything, it would be Mars Attacks, right? Like, absolutely, absolutely not. But if I can do a good story, like that's always what I want to do. I always want to do the story that interests me, um, that I think will good. Like, I think that's the best, well, listen. It, it doesn't have Jim Brown literally punching out Martian. So it's not the best one, but like, I think it's as good as I think it's up there. I think it's in the, the discussion. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, lo I love the advice of do the things that interest you. And that, that advice never gets old. Cause I do think it's something where, you know, you can never hear that enough. So I want to get, you, you mentioned character and I want to get into character, but there's another audience question yeah. real quick. How much shitty writing slash shitty comics did you do before Rick, Ricky Thunder and Sex Castle? You know, so there's none, um, none. And I'll tell you, well, so I, yeah, there's certain, I remember like, so there's a line in Sex Castle where he says, uh, and I shouldn't know it because I also, he says like, you messed up, you know, how people say like, you bring a knife to a gunfight, you just brought a you to a me fight. People are like, it's so good. Like how long did it take to come with that? It's like, man, I, I just write it. I just like in the moment I'm like he needs to say something funny or he needs to say something cool that I think is also funny, and I that's it. Like I just try to make myself laugh in the moment. I leave myself space for those things when I'm writing. So there's certain things I say and people go, "That's trash, Kyle," and I hate you, and that's fair. One for all my graphic novels, um, Sex Castle, Ricky Thunder, Kill Them All, Old Head. I think listen, I didn't use a script. I don't write a script for those. I, hmm. I just do them. I, I, I think about them for so long. I know all the story beats. The story beats are perfect. And then I just, I have room to improv, um, but it's a very calculated improv, but I don't use script for those. People get mad. Don't do that, by the way. I've seen other people do it because I've said it and they were really bad. For some reason, all that thinking I do about it is just drafts, 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 drafts. Um, so when I was a teen, I 100% made a bunch of really bad superhero comics that I never finished. Um, like I said, in the nineties, I got out. So I definitely did some bad, bad autobiography things that were like one or two pages for, for my friend's zines, but I never finished anything. I never finished anything. And before I did, um, Ricky Thunder, I was doing this thing also that might exist called Guinea pig theater, where I would draw Guinea pigs doing scenes from movies. It'd be like one panel bits. Why? I don't know. I just wanted something to draw. I think again, maybe out there, if you look for it, um, so I did a bunch of those that were bad for sure. 
Um, I did threadless t-shirt competition at the time as a big deal. So there's like creative things. There's a point where like, I'm trying to get back into creative things that were bad, that were absolutely garbage. Um, but they entertained me. Like at the moment I was like, I was trying to find the thing. It's like, who is this for? I'm never going to get rich, ironically. Um, I also thought Rick and Morty looked terrible and I wrote it for five years. Um, it was great. It's, by, it's the greatest thing. But I thought, I was like, that doesn't look very good. That does not look like a well-made comic or cartoon. Um, I didn't think I was going to be rich. So who am I creating things for? You know what I mean? I'm literally creating them for me and probably for a very small group of people to entertain. But what I found over the years is that if, unless you have like a very niche, very specific thing is that you're always make if you make it for yourself, if you go, these are the things I like and you draw from all the things you like, then you're, you make this guest of your loves. People will love it. And it'll vary. Um, over the time, you know, I mean, Chris Schweitzer, Chris Schweitzer drew Mars Attacks and Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. Uh, by the way, Polygon's best, best book of the best comic of 2022. New York Public Library top 10 for adults. Um, and his stuff is very, he wants to do historic fiction, but it veers young. And it's like, I'm like, you, we, you can do whatever you want, but it's like, we talk a lot about it. Like, you want to find how to still make it accessible to everyone, even if it's very, very niche. And this is something that I deal with a lot because what I want to do is I want to tell unique stories are not unique, but as things that are, that are unusual to what one would commonly see, but do it in a way that feels accessible. So it feels familiar. So, um, you know, like I can't think of, of a set, like I'm doing a book called, I hate, uh, I hate this place, uh, for skybound, which is about this haunted ranch, but it's everything paranormal. There's monsters, there's UFOs, there's like, uh, there's, there's monsters, UFOs, there's dark entities, there's uh, slasher killers. I'd never seen anything like that, right? And I wanted I wanted to sort of center around some uh, some gay protagonists. Never seen this before. But at the same time, I don't want people to read it and be like, whoa, this is crazy and weird. Like, I, I want to be like, oh, this feels like everything I've ever, this feels like my favorite stuff. And so, like, that's the thing. Like, did I do a wrestling comic? Yeah. But I, did a, I didn't do a wrestling comic about, like, behind-the-scenes politics. No one cares about that unless you can do it like Game of Thrones, and I cannot. Like, you don't want to, you want to make the thing, like you still want to make the thing that you want, but make it in a way that people go, oh yeah. And I think that's a, a thing that some people do is they get too caught up and it's like, you want it to be just like this thing. It's like, take all the things you like, figure out all the things you like um, and make the thing you want for you and you'll love it. And I think, I think if you do it well, other people will always like it. I think we'll, every person mm -hmm. has that inside of them. I love that. We have another question about Rick and Morty, which I'm going to get back to. Because oh, I, I, I want to talk about Rick and Morty, but I want to ask you because you've brought up character many, many times, and I want to get into your sort of character development process because I feel like that's you know you, you talk about making stories that you want to make, making stories that are uniquely yours, like, and I feel like that's essentially what voice is. And, and you know, one of the first comics I stumbled into was Rock Candy Mountain, and I just from the moment I saw Slim, I was like, this is a character who I just feel like has so much more there. And then you know, exploring other characters you've done it just it feels like there's a lot of thought that goes into the way they talk the way they behave like stuff that doesn't always make it onto the page even just stuff underneath there you know what we see as the reader so what is your process like when you create a character do you just kind of run with it or do you build them out beforehand so i think this also is something i say that makes people that makes people mad is that first thing first a character only exists for the function of the story if they don't propel the story if they don't add to the story even if that is to say this is a throwaway joke character that adds in a way but i always think first like I, why uh, assassination ends with four characters four hero characters who what do those four characters serve now 
the caveat with assassination is it could have been two characters. Um, it could have been two characters for the story, but we fell in love with with Dave and uh, uh, Buck Tarkington. I said a bad word. That's his name. Erica and I were like, these are our favorite characters. Um, and so they're going to make it. But if they don't serve a function, then they then why are they there? They're just taking a space that could be more that could be better served in another way. So first thing first is like, um, I hate this place is it's 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 a married couple. One is a unbridled optimist. And the other one is a sort of doomsday preferred survivalist. Why are they that? Because I think that's interesting. What do those people do when they are put where your survival skills have no use? You've never learned how to fight um, a giant spider monster. Or if you're an optimist and you're surrounded and can't leave the worst place. That's interesting to me, right? But from there, and I think I think Gabby and Trudy are two of my best characters. I've, uh, I think that's sort of universally agreed upon. They're like, oh, they're so likable. I feel like I know them. They're charming. Like, but that's the trick. If you want to, it's not just how to are the interesting serve to me. This is my, this is my thing. Um, when I'm writing, it's not me teaching is if for, especially for a horror, if the more you like the characters, the more you suffer their pain, you, the less you want something to happen to them. So you liking these characters, them seeing, seeming familiar to you makes you feel the threat more. Right. So that's number one. It's always like, um, uh, Shane sex castle is, is a sort of classic eighties. He's not very likable. So it's like, well, I don't, how do I want to spend time with him though? Is that he's trying to be, he's trying to be like, those are the things that interest me. Um, and so it's always like, well, I need a character that does this, but now how, how can I make that character specifically interesting to me, Kyle Starks? Um, and that's generally how it goes. Uh, is like, I, I try to think of a hobby. I try to think of something they like that even if you don't even see it, like maybe they, they love, uh, I'm sure I've left something out that I intended to do. You know, maybe they 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 are they like those sort of mouse figurines. You know that people collect. Your mom collects, or little things like that. It's always like, how can I make them more interesting? Often, I mean, it is it is no secret that Fuck Targeting Term Assassination is literally Chris Schweitzer, who is my co-creator on many titles. Because people like when you certain times you meet people and you're like, well, I like this, I like this thing to do, or I don't like this thing to do, but I'm interested in how other people would react to it. Um, and that's kind of how I do character. It's always like, how can I make them interesting to me? But it's always first, what's the story? And then if I can, um, uh, Old Head's a good example. It's like, what, here's the function of this character is X, X, and X. They're like, well, that's fine. That's a fine story. But what's the subtext? Oh, it's about legacy. Well, it's like, how do I build on that? How do I make him more interesting? What, what foibles can I give them? What likes can I give them? Um, and it's always just me trying to make them as interesting as possible. It's always that way. Um, I wish there was some great secret, but I, I do always try to figure out, like, I'm not like, I don't have Bibles for these characters. Terry Komodo, who I think is maybe people's favorite, who's a very brash loudmouth. Um, I saw a character on TV and it's like, it's just like certain things. I'm like, man, I've never seen that before. And I'm, in, I'm interested in playing with that. I want to play with this thing that I've never seen before. And so Terry Komodo is very, is, is parts of that, but also it's like, how can I make that thing I saw interesting to me, which is to say like, he's, this guy's a brash loudmouth know-it-all. Who seems um, who seems very closed up, but he's closed off because people have been kind of mean to him, and like he just thought like this is how you dealt with people that you were loud and awful, and they would like him even though they clearly didn't, and like that's interesting to me because like how does that person fit into this found family, right? Um, but more importantly, I needed a character who knew Trigger Keaton in a certain way, who had certain skills, who could be, you know what I mean? So those things all came first before I was like, well, now how do I make him interesting? Hmm.
I, I also have to say, I, I think you do a great job with with villains, not always just villains, but the the asshole characters, like Trick or Keaton, even the devil in Rock Candy Mountain, like they're villains that I love to see on the page, even though they're awful. The, yeah, Rick, same San- process. Rick Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, I love. I mean, I love an asshole. I I think that's just how that I just probably writing ourselves in many ways in that regard. Um, I always have in Kill Them All and Assassination. There's both sort of like these like dumb bow hunt characters that are just like super misogynistic and shitty. And it's like, man, like I, that's the kind of bad guy I like. Um, really sort of violent, which I have and I hate this place. I don't really do a lot um, just because it's tough to scale those. Um, it's tough to scale those type of characters and sort of when you're doing character driven work. But I love, you know, I love like, uh, I love that stuff too. But yeah, I like a guy who's just sort of annoyed to be there. Like that's kind of the worst guy. <laughs> And, you know, obviously with, with with sticking to the theme of finding your voice, talking about dialogue now, because you can create the character, how they look, how they act, but it's the dialogue that really sets them up. What's your process behind dialogue? Does It, it sounds like so much of this just comes naturally to you, but it, has there ever been a character that you struggled to develop dialogue for the way they would speak or anything like that? I, I think for sure, but I'm, I'm blank. You, I, you know what's a, a good answer for this, honestly? Yeah, that's like, it's like, oh, how do you, how do you make these sort of people where I've been asked, how do you make these sort of like high, these action books that are also kind of funny and sad? And I'm like, I don't know, man, that's just my flavors. But that's also like, again, it's me making what I want. Like, um, and I'll come back around to this that you just asked me because I think it's, I think it's interesting. Is like, if someone literally, literally someone's like, hey, Kyle, like, what's, what's the funniest thing in a movie? And I'm known for comedies, even though I would say they're not necessarily comedies, but they're humorous. I'd be like, oh, it'd be something from an Arnold Schwarzenegger action, like one of those throwaway pun. And like, that's not a funny movie, right? But it's like, I think those are so funny. It's like, I think everything should have a look. I think everything has everything in it. And that's what I want. Like, I want things that make you laugh and are scared. That work for the, I want cheers. You know, I want all these things. I don't want it just be funny. But I think the things that I enjoy the most are funny. So I make funny things. Um, but mostly it's like once, again, the characters serve a function. And it's like, how do I make them interesting? And how you make them interesting, many ways always decides how they're going to talk. Because how a character talks is just how they perceive the world. Um, I would say I 100% had trouble, maybe not, it's more trouble than anything else was doing alpha betas, um, which is just out from whatnot. And it's based on uh, these guys who are streamers online, like they're real people. And they want to sort of make cartoon versions of themselves. And I had, what I did was I watched hours of them playing terrible video games. They're very good. They're very funny, but I didn't want to watch these games. They were not enjoyable. And, uh, trying to figure out who's who and what their thing is. And like, that's really hard. Even if you can sit there because watching those games, it's just them yelling at full volume at each other. Like there's no, there's not much personality. So it's like, I'm going off the Bible that they gave me um, and watching these shows and trying to figure out who people were. That was really hard. And then making them seem unique from each other in some way. Um, And some of that is having to cartoon them up a little bit, um, which they literally did. I mean, they literally cartooned them up for the, um, the little pilot thing they did. So that was pretty hard. Um, otherwise, you know, I think, I think great art steals is, is how you do dialogue. I just, I just, I can, I always quoted movies. Like I don't do it anymore cause I'm too old to remember quotes. Um, but I used to quote everything. It's like, I love dialogue and I love turns of phrases. Um, I love that stuff. So dialogue is something like dialogue. I do first. I do dialogue first whenever I'm writing a script mm-hmm. because that's what I want. I want, that's what I want from me. And it's funny since I've gone from trade to 
the single issues. It's like, well, now I, I have so few pages. Like I really have to, to decide what dialogue is really, really important because 20 pages is nothing. Um, but yeah, I do dialogue first. I, 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 I'm sure, I'm sure there was someone who I was like, I just can't quite figure out. But for the most part, like I, said, I just try to make it fun for me. I just try to make it interesting for me. And sometimes like I bet I've done some, it's so funny. Like I've done so much stuff now. Um, Kill Them All's bad guy uh, is, um, uh, what is his name? Oh God, I'm so dumb. Dr. Malcolm from Jurassic Park is played by Jeff Goldblum. It's literally Jeff Goldblum. Like, how did I figure out his voice? It's Jeff Goldblum. Um, and sometimes that's like, sometimes that's all it is. It's like, it, cause wouldn't it be funny? And like, people will read it and they won't know that automatically, like, oh, it's Jeff Goldblum. Cause like, I'm writing it. I'm like, what would, how would Jeff Goldblum say evil lines? Um, and sometimes that's all it is, right? It's just like, wouldn't it be funny if, and you know, that's like, I think like, that's how, how for Princess Bride, they got the marriage guy, right? Like, that's how they, it wouldn't it be funny if you just didn't say, like, yeah, it's funny. Sometimes that's all it takes. Do you, do you find it more challenging to write characters that you do the art for? Because I mean, you've done, you've drawn your own characters and you also have done projects that other people have drawn for. Do you, do you yeah, find probably. it harder to write towards other people's art with your character? Or is it the same process either way? No, it's, it's way harder. I, I have been doing this for a while and I'm doing it more and more now. You know, Rick and Morty, I basically had the same artist, Mark Ellerby, who was great. Mark Ellerby would take a bit and elevate it visually. He did never change anything, which is great, but collaborating is really hard. Collaborating is really hard. Um, I, Erica Henderson, I met at my first year's con. She was my friend. And I know that she has the same idea for art that I do, which is sometimes you got to put 15 panels on a page. Sometimes that's just how it be. Chris Schweitzer is the same. It, it's that there's it, the workload isn't page to page it's story by story in many ways and you do what has to be done i think for i think for old head i average eight and a half panels a page i count i think i count eight and a half if not seven and a half it's it's high and no oh i think there's like a few splash pages i don't really do splash pages i do it more now um but it's like i like panels because i think pacing is so for my work pacing is so important because it's action and comedy and even horror you're talking about beats and rhythm and beats and pacing really matter. Um, but when I did Rick and Morty, I would never, I think if I did seven panels, it was rare. I didn't want to give him more than six panels. And I think six panels is average. If you look at a Kirby book, it's six panel pages, my guy. But it, I've really gotten sort of a PTSD. Um, I have a book that's coming out next year from Dark Horse. Get your pre-orders in. It's called Where Monsters Lie. It's going to be very good. And like, I absolutely have PTSD from this because I very rarely went over six panels. I just, there's some, it, it, and I, uh, the artist on, on, I hate this place once complained about having too many six panel pages. So no, I'm like, well, maybe six panels too many. And I will put eight to nine on a page happily. So it's yes. But I think I, I think I, it's, it's strengthened me in many ways to sort of try to find like the very essence of it. But it's way harder to write for someone else. You don't know what they're willing to do. You don't know how they're going to do it. Um, and like I said from the beginning, like I had a cheat code. Like I got to draw it. The artist was free, um, but I knew exactly what he could do and how to work to that. And I think that if I was a better artist, I would probably never collaborate. But I'm not a very good artist. I'm an okay artist. And I'm, I have sold books with my art. My art's fine. It's good. But it's like, I want to see Chris Schweitzer draw my books. I want to see, name someone. I want to see someone really good draw my books. Because I think it can only be better if someone who is as 
who's someone who's as skilled at illustration as I am at storytelling, right? Which is boastful. But I'm saying, let's say those are low numbers. <laughs> let's say those are both fives, right? Um, so it's like, I really like collaboration. And I, I, I'm also like, it's, I'm very much aware of, I'm 40, I'm not getting younger. I, 45 is not as old as it used to be, but I feel old. And I wanted to get as much work as I do. And that means I have to collaborate, but it's a thousand times harder. Um, I'm doing a DC book, uh, which will be huge. It's gonna be announced next year or soon, maybe even sooner than that. I think it might be in January preview. So, and the, the editor was like, you know, you could put more panels on the, <laughs> you could use more panels. And I'm like, I don't know. You say that, but I don't think these guys like it. So there's that sort of balance. 20 pages isn't very much. Cause every time I've done my thing outside of Rock Candy Mountain, which was an ongoing series from Image, and Image is a thing, they don't care how many pages you do, but you have to, you'll make less money. You know what I mean? Is that I knew what I was doing. I knew the space. Like, so writing for someone else is like, it's a, it's this small, but I've only done OGNs that I'm going to kickstart and then publish as a trade. I can do as many pages as I want. Like there's no number to it. I can do whatever I want, which means the pacing's better. All that stuff's stronger. Um, so there's a lot of variables. That being said, like I, I really came around a lot on collaboration probably over the last two years over the pandemic because I had to do it. And um, there's real pros and cons to it. But for working with just me, I feel like it's it's unfiltered. There's no editor telling me to move a character up close, doing, giving, giving me bad notes because it's their job to give me notes. Um, so that's me talking bad. Collaboration is part of it. It really is. Um, and it's the thing I've had the most trouble with, for sure. But I'm really, um, Piotr was, a dream and the guy who's doing the dc book is a dream and i'm sure everyone's going to be a dream but it's just like what can i make someone do that's what i feel like i feel like what can i i feel like i'm the boss and also if you don't do what i what i write i'm going to be furious because i wrote it it's my story you know what i mean it's our it's our story but it's like it's my story hmm. you know um i'm real type a about stuff like that and that's also something i'm trying to find a way uh I'm doing an interview with Chris Schweitzer for the New York Public Library on Friday. And I'm sure at some point, I think David says, like, oh, what's it like collaborating? And Schweitzer's going to be like, oh, I think it's great. But this guy hates it. And he's my best. He's my best friend. He's my best friend on Earth. And I think he's a master storyteller. I mean, this isn't and there's he changed something. And I'm like, why would you do that? And he was like, I shouldn't have changed this, but I did change this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not asking you why you changed that. I'm asking you why you changed this other thing, because, you know, you shouldn't have. And he's like, oh, no, you're right. I shouldn't have. I, I don't know. It's like, it's, that's another thing. Is like, it's probably hard to work with me because, but again, no one's changed anything either, except for Chris. So <laughs> uh, collaborating is really hard. That's the final answer. Collaborating is really hard. Working for myself, I don't have a page count. I don't have someone telling me a better way to do it. I've thought about that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's the most, un it's the purest form of comic, comic making. It's the purest form of comic storytelling. And I, it's, I envy people who can't do it because when the time comes that eventually comics is done with me, when Marvel's not letting me do a Thanos, um, when publishers aren't reaching out to me for pitches, I can still make my own comics. I can still do this forever and I will do it forever. And they'll get weirder and more anachronistic and people will be like, why is it all set in the nineties? Um, why is everyone only wearing flannel shirts and listening to grunge music? Because I'm, because I'm 75 and that's all I remember. That's, I'm fixated on it, you know? Um, but yeah, anyway, that's my answer. I, that being said, it's like, I, I love seeing my stories come to life. I mean, that's like the bottom line for me. And I want them to be read. And mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is, is that if I can get named top artists, I don't know anyone, 
mm-hmm. if John Romita Jr. draws one of my comics, more people will see it. And that's what I want. Mm-hmm. More than anything, I want my stories read. That's the most important thing to me, is that I'm not making things for a void. I'm, I want people to read them. And whatever it takes to do that I'm, I'm, is what I'm here for at this point. I have one follow-up to that, and then I want to get into Rick and Morty. Uh, what, one, of the, one of the reasons I asked about collaboration was because I, I just finished uh, I Hate This Place, and Dante Howitzer, like, just crack every time he was on the page, it cracked me up. And it, you know, at some point it occurred to me, you wrote his dialogue, but that was somebody else's interpretation of him or how much of him did you write? And then what was your response to seeing him for the first time? Like, did it come across the way you wanted it to? Cause. Oh, oh yeah. Argum, I think his act, Argum's never done anything. This is kind of like his first real book. Um, mm. It's his first American series. I think he did an, an ice cream man anthology one shot. And I think he's done some little stuff uh, in Russia, but this is like his first series. And the thing is like when we were trying to find an artist and it was a whole shebang, um, trying to find an artist, uh, trying to find a title. Uh, and we went with Aryam and we were like, I was like, finger, like, I hope it works out. His acting, his character's acting is great. And, you know, there's for sure some sort of translation. There's some sort of language divide there. So I don't know what he's, but no, like that's exact. Everyone's everyone is exactly what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Everything looks. I think there's a couple of stuff that he's like, "What if I did this?" And I'm like, "You just." It's a lot of choosing your battles, you know. Like, uh, I think <laughs> I think Dante at one point, and it might be again, it might be in Russia. That's what it looks like. But he has a sawed-off shotgun. But it looks like he has like this tiniest little. This and and I was like, that doesn't seem. But I'm like, who? I don't care. Like maybe in Russia, that's what it looks like. Right. So it's like, what am I going to say? But I'm like, it's kind of funny. And it's also like, I have no intentions of those characters being very funny. I want them to be charming, but I think there's something inherently broken me because I keep hearing like, I'm like, okay, like I'm here for it. Like, I just think I can't help myself. But Dante is like, has a few charming moments, but I'd be like, so funny. I'm like, okay, great. I'm loving it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He was the best. Um... I hope nothing bad. I hope nothing bad happens to him. I was, I was trying not to say anything. Uh, so I want to ask you about Rick and Morty. I'm going to start with the audience question because they've waited long yeah. enough. Uh, right. What is your favorite story moment from your Rick and Morty run? I mean, uh, I'm now like three years removed from Rick and Morty, but for sure there's, there's, there's a lot of things that I did for Rick and Morty that they had not done yet. And I was like, they'll do this. Um, and there's several of those, but I was like, I want to do them because... My thing with Rick and Morty was uh, real quick because uh, don't let me distract from this. My thing with Rick and Morty is like I re- I remember reading the Star Wars comics when I was a kid because I love Star Wars. It's the eighties, and then they put Jack the Rabbit in, who's like this green rabbit who's not in the movies. And I was like, oh, this isn't the thing I like, right? This isn't it. This is a completely different thing, and it took me out of it and made me kind of not like Star Wars, honestly. Um, so for Rick and Morty, it was very much like I wanted to always be the thing people want. I wanted to clearly be the thing they want and that means i have to stay true to it that also means i'm not going to create anything and i'm not going to use something i think they're going to use i never did my evil morty story i never talked about who rick was married you know i didn't make that stuff up i could have done that because even justin was like oh it's a different universe it's multiple it's a multiverse you can do whatever you want turn him into a spaghetti man who cares it's like it's a multiverse <laughs> but i was like, well i i care and I, I think as someone who who's reading this that wants more rick and morty and that's what I endeavored to do. So there's certain things I did I like. So this this is sort of leading to the answer. Um, I made my first like big foil for Rick was a um, like 
like alternate, like a flipped Jerry, where Jerry was the smartest, not the weakest. He was the he was the toughest, not the weakest, and the smartest, not the he was the opposite of Jerry. So by being the complete opposite, he was a a a hundred percent foil for for Rick. And I did a spot. There's a splash of Jerry like knocking out Rick. And I thought, like, as a Rick and Morty fan, like, this is huge. Like, it's a Jerry who's defeating Rick. I thought this was so great. I love that. I did a, a Rick Revenge Squad where I took all the characters I made and brought them back um, to try to take down Rick together, which I really liked. Um, I did a Groundhog's Day that I really like. Um, that's a good issue. There's a lot of – we also did episodic. So outside of a couple things, I did one and done because that's how the show is. And so I wanted to be super accessible – um, because I figure people who like Rick and Morty aren't comic people, they'll just pick up an issue. And that's what I wanted. You can pick up any issue and and you can jump right in, just like the show. There's there's maybe eight episodes over five seasons where you're like, I don't really know what's going on here. Who's this kid with an eye patch, right? Like, why does he have an eye patch? But that's if you watch any other one, you'll be like, This is great. I want to watch more. I'll just start over, right? Um, so I endeavored that a lot. So at the end, the the trades weren't selling well and they didn't know what to do. So like, let's just we're gonna end the series. We're going to end the regular ongoing Mar uh, Rick and Morty series. They were starting to do these, um, uh, what are they, just like mini series. I can't think of what you'd call them, like little six and done throwaways things like Dungeons and Dragons and then a million others. And so, like, well, we're killing it. I'm like, well, I'm going to destroy the entire comic universe, the number, this number of universe. And so, it, I actually met Justin Roiland at uh, San Diego the year that Sex Castle was, is this right? The year that Sex Castle was nominated, I think this is right. I only went once, and he was like, "Oh, you guys should do like twelve issue arcs. Like you should do like six issue arcs. Like that's because he's." Like, the thing is, like that's great, and this leads into voice too. It's like I don't know what that is. You guys have never done that. I I'm not a person who can figure out how to do a six hour long Rick and Morty because you've only ever done these twenty minute episodic things, right? But at the end, I was like, "No, I want it. Like this is the arc. Like this is the final arc. I'm going to bring back the first villain I made." And we destroyed the comic universe. Um, in one issue, I literally kill me and Mark Ellerby, the artist, and Justin and Dan Harmon. Um, and those five issues are a lot of fun. I don't know if standalone, I think standalone would be right. Like, this is fun. But like, I also spent, you know, 60 issues, 50 issues, whatever, sort of getting there. So I, there's a lot of things. Like, there's a lot of single issues. And I, I look through them because I like Rick and Morty. And people are like, oh, we're, they'll get volume four. Our new hardcover comes out. And I'll look through them, like, oh, I really like the story. Um, but I mean, like my proudest thing is like I got to add to that universe, which is something I sincerely like. I sincerely enjoy it, and I feel like I feel like I did so in a way that honors their work and their fans. And like I'm really proud of that. Like I'm really proud of kind of. There's like three issues I I I would probably do better, but only three, only three. I, otherwise, <laughs> like I think they're all I think they're all a lot of fun. If it's only three, then you're running at a high high success rate, so that's good. I think it might be less than three. There's one for sure I don't care for. Um, but that's either. And you know what? The People love the cover. So I sold so many of it. I'm like, mm, this isn't the one, though. So then uh, last question about Rick and Morty. Did, did you, you know, as a creator who, as we've talked about, you have such a rich voice. Did you have any trouble fitting that into Rick and Morty who have their own distinctive voices? You know, I think one of the things like I really love, I really love doing like action movie tropes. And I really like unlikable characters. And it's really, it's, I, in many ways, I'm mean, again, I want to my heart, but I feel like, like I knew I could do a good job. And I feel like I was perfect for it because it's just what I do, but with science fiction, because ultimately, what do I write about? I like, I like high, I like highbrow, I like lowbrow, I like all the jokes. They do that. 
I like something that on its face is ridiculous and funny, but is actually there's subtext to it where I love writing about family. My favorite part of Rick and Morty is it's about it's all about family. It's a, every story is about family, whether or not it does it seriously or not. But it's like that's the driving force um, amongst everything. So like, I really felt like this is so similar to what I'm doing, um, though obviously two geniuses make that, and I'm not even a third genius. Um, like it's challenging, and also like they do AB stories that we kind of don't have. Like there's all these challenges, but I felt like it's perfect for me. And and like it's, for whatever reason, if I I can watch something long enough, and I might not be able to do recreate the story, like the scope of the story, because certainly we can already do these multi-layered, these multi-faceted things where it seems like one thing's happening and then it sort of switches into another thing and then swap. That's kind of story-wise beyond my current skill set, but. I can do I could do a scene of those characters talking forever. And that's just something I can do. But I think if you really watch something and you try to figure out the rhythm, like why they talk the way they talk and the rhythms of it, any, I think it's not hard, but you have to really want to do it. Um, and I really want to do it. I When I'm recreating something, alpha betas, um, even Mars attacks, like I wanted the aliens and I wanted, because I'm using the cards. I'm actually using the cards, right? I want it to feel authentic to the people who love that thing. Uh, because I love that thing. Do you have any unexpected challenges adapting to Rick and Morty? Mm -mm. Uh, oh, mm, only like licensor stuff. Like an early, it's funny when I started. So, so here's the quick. So when I started, they had this list of things you could I was not allowed to do, and the reason why that is is because Adult Swim did not. It was not Adult Swim basic licensing. It was Cartoon Network, which is an, a kids channel, and so it was like you know no profanity, no nudity, no violence, no murder. I'm not going to remember all of them. All of these things that were like, that happened in the first 30 seconds of any Rick and Morty, right? And I think if you look at those first 10 issues, um, my good friend, Zach Gorman, did either the first five or the first, I think he did the first five. And they're good. They're smart. There's like some funny sex jokes in it. But you can see how he's very, he's like, I'm doing what they told me to do. And because of that, it's, it's neutered. It's just not, it's neutered. And then Tom Fowler came in and drew this, like they're very dense stories, which is exactly what Rick and Morty was. It's very dense um, and wordy. So you can tell like Tom Fowler, like also really likes Rick. Uh, I, Tom Fowler is an immense talent too. His issue, which I think is 10 that he drew is really, it's like an alien planet and there's a gladiator battle. It's beautiful. Um, but it's the same thing. It's like, he's, be, he's, he's clearly beholden to these rules. And I was like, it's not Rick and Morty. I'm going to test the rules. And so I killing people right away. I'm, I'm pushing everything and no one's saying anything. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, we're aces. So I think like the first five, seven issues, they are, it's me trying to make sure I can get to where it should be. Um, so we're doing it. And then Rick and Morty, when I, when we started, no one knew it was before season two. No one cared about Rick and Morty, but when it blew up, like I'm in full strength, like I'm doing all the things they told me not to do. So no longer do they say, don't do that. But now they're like, um, you can't have it. Don't have them say like, uh, lick, lick, lick my balls, which is like literally from the show. And I'm like, I can't say, like, it's in your show. And little things like that started to happen um, where they would, like, censor things that were from the show. Uh, one of my favorite is, I don't know what volume it is, but I did, I also decided that they should be doing um, uh, interstellar cable, intergalactic cable. I'm going to say it wrong. Sorry, Rick and Morty fans, it's been a while. Where it's all these different great little anthology stories shoved together, right? So you could do a bunch of quick little jokes and tropes and then you have sort of an overwrite. I'm like, this is great because they should do they should do this once a year. They should do an annual, which is Intergalactic Cable. And for my second one, uh, one of my really, really good friends is Andy Hirsch, who drew the Garfield comic. He's, quote, 
the third most famous Jim Davis. And I had him draw this Garfield, the Gazorbazorp field, who's from the show. It's Garfield with arms, okay? And so he drew this thing. I think it's the funniest thing ever. They publish it. They publish it in the trade. And when they come to do the hardcover, they're like, we, we, we're, un, we're nervous. Like, we, won't, we don't want to because of Garfield. I'm like, it's your, you've already done it twice and you have a cartoon. So we had to change. So the hardcover, that story, the Gazorbazorp story is gone from the hardcover. It's in the trade. It's in the single issue. We had to draw. I, I drew it, which I don't want to do. I wanted someone else to draw it. Um, but I drew a whole new, like, three-panel bit um, because of Gazorbazorp. So I didn't know that. That was shocking to me. Like, so there's weird stuff like that, like weird stuff where they're like, don't have him say this. And I'm like, that is his, one of his many catchphrases. <laughs> All and right. licensor stuff, licensor stuff is crazy. You never know what you're gonna deal with. Like, I thought Mars Attacks was gonna be really, really challenging because it's uh, tops. Nope, they were great. No, um, um, the only note we ever have is uh, um, they couldn't make the alien noise from I, which now he's escaping me. What do the aliens say in in Mars Attacks? It's been you too know? long. I don't remember. I know they. So they have like a very distinctive thing they say, and if I wasn't talking about it, I'd remember. And they're like, "Oh, you can't have him say that. You can't have him say that. That's Tim Burton's." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so the aliens don't talk in Mars Attack. That's why. Of course. Uh, well, we're about out of time, but I want to give you time now Aww. to promote things, tell people where to find you, uh, social media, website. Tell us how to pre-order your book next year. All that good stuff. Yeah, I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't overtalk. I hope. I, I hope this was no, the experience everyone, <laughs> experience everybody wanted. Uh, I am at the Kyle Starks on all social medias. Um, I have currently, I hate this place coming out from Skybound every month. Uh, I have a book coming out next month called Where Monster Live from Dark Horse, which is ostensibly about there's a gated community for slasher monsters. What do they do between their sprees and what happens when a survivor shows up finding this gated community and they want their bloody revenge? Um, it's, it's very good. I think it's very fun. Uh, if you like, I hate this place. It's that exact same line. Again, I think my thing is I try to make things accessible. They usually don't sound accessible. I think they are. I think you should try it. If you try it, you'll like it. Uh, the Kyle Starks everywhere. I do a sticker club through my Patreon, which is Kyle Starks. What else? I think that's it. We got good stuff coming out next year. Uh, Six Sidekicks. Hey, Six Sidekicks just got nominated twice for Best Book of 2022. Um, that's pretty good. Um, and what else? I Hate This Place, which is my new book, is in stores right now. Volume 1. Uh, volume 2 starts back... January, February, does anyone know? You know, you know, it's going to come out early next year, hopefully. Um, and that's all I got. We got stuff we got stuff that's going to be announced next year. I'm very excited about it. I have probably, one, oh, Thanos Death Notes came out today. Mm. Uh, buy that so that they will give me royalties and maybe they'll put me on another Marvel book. What? Who knows what that'll be? That'll be fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have a DC book coming out next year. I think it's going to be announced in the next, and it's, it's huge. Uh, I'm very stoked about it. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. Did I do the end thing? I did the end thing, right? Right. You did great. Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. Uh, read my, like... books. <laughs> Buy my books. Absolutely. Tell me about them. <laughs> awesome, Kyle. Thank you so much for being here. This was great. I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Yeah, have me back. I had a good time. I love to talk. Obviously, so <laughs> we'd love to have you back. We'll have to next year when more of your stuff comes out. We can talk about it. Awesome. Um, Sounds good. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Yeah. All of our listeners, thank you for being here. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks, and we'll see you then.